Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. It's Friday, September the 18th, and in today's Kent Online podcast, we'll be hearing about the Banksy that's back on display in Folkestone six years after it first appeared. And there's bad news for Gillingham fans as the captain is ruled out for the season. Kent Online News. First up, a woman who left a Miss England finalist with scars on her face following an argument outside a Westmoreland pub has avoided being sent to prison. China Gold wept in court as she was told her 18-month sentence would be suspended for two years. The 28-year-old smashed a wine glass in Olivia Cook's face near the farmhouse pub in October 2018. This is what Miss Cook had to say outside court. Um, I'm so pleased it's over now. Obviously, it's taken two years. I've, yeah, suffered with depression. Um, took a lot of time out of work. And like I teach children how to play golf. I'm a professional golfer, so that took a massive toll on my job as well. But, yeah, I'm very happy now. It's all over, thank goodness. And what do you feel about the sentence? Because obviously it has been suspended. Do you yeah. feel like you've got justice? I... Yeah, yeah, obviously could have been imprisonment, but I, I, I never thought she would go to prison anyway due to all this COVID at the minute. And yeah, it's her first offence, so I didn't expect anything. But yeah, I'm glad she got two years suspended. And just in terms of, you know, further treatment for you, so yeah. what injuries did you actually <coughs> suffer and, and how are you going to kind of resolve those as best you can? So I ended up having eight stitches. So I've got two scars at the top of my head. Uh, They will reopen me up and um, make the scar a little smaller, a little thinner, and hopefully it will go to the minimum, but I'm not too sure yet. And what effect has this had on your family as well? Because obviously it's it's been going on for a long time. Yeah, uh, they've suffered quite a bit as well. Obviously the trauma of how I felt and caused them a lot of issues as well. Uh, my dad suffered with a lot of stress many years ago and it brought some stuff back which weren't great but yeah it's all okay now. Gold who's from London Road in Aylesford was convicted of unlawful wounding at an earlier trial. She's also been ordered to do 200 hours of unpaid work and pay £7,000 in compensation to the victim who she has to stay away from for five years. A judge has told a man who drove into three women on a zebra crossing in Westmoreland he's facing a substantial prison sentence. CCTV footage showed Abby Ianson hitting the victims in the high street in March, leaving two of them with life-changing injuries. The 24-year-old from Lunsford Lane in Larkfield changed his plea at the start of a trial and admitted causing serious injury by driving dangerously. There are calls for East Kent Hospitals Trust to be held properly accountable over maternity ward failings, which led to deaths of newborn babies. A health scrutiny committee has heard more than 40 serious cases are being investigated at the William Harvey in Ashford and Margate's QEQM. The trust says steps are being taken to improve the service and an independent inquiry is underway. Now, figures show more than 250 anti-social behaviour orders were issued in Kent last year. Public space protection orders and community protection notices were handed out for things like begging, swearing, drinking alcohol and making excessive noise. Josie Appleton is from the campaign group Manifesto Club, which carried out the research. We found that both CPNs and PSPOs, the new antisocial behaviour powers, have both reached record levels. Uh, So CPNs are now up to 8,700 a year. 
Um, that's a power that allows council officers to essentially issue an on-the-spot ASBO to somebody telling them to do something. And fines for violating a PSPO are up to uh, 10,400 a year. Um, so both of these are, are record levels. They're supposed to have been reined in. The government introduced some guidance a few years ago uh, telling them to uh, councils to rein in, but actually they've carried on growing it year after year. Um, and to us, that suggests the problem hasn't been solved and something needs to be done about these powers themselves. People that come to us, uh, people who have had uh, uh, orders issued against them because they, uh, they've got slightly long grass or um, they've got a woodland garden, um, a lot of neighbourhood disputes, homeless people issued with orders saying they can't accept donations, they can't sit down on the pavement. You know, these are, are orders that really um, have major effects on people's lives. And the trouble is really that councils are being asked to perform uh, very complex uh, legal roles. So they're acting in the position of an investigatory police officer, a legal judge, a prosecutor, a judge and a jury. And you've got a single, a single council officer doing this or so someone who's potentially a neighbourhood warden or someone of that ilk. And I think they're really just really not set up to uh, perform. You know, we have kind of courts and, and prosecution systems for very good reason. And that and that's because you need to do the job properly and actually prove that the case against someone is is solid. They really did it. And, and, and there's really an evidence base there. And, and the, the behaviour was actually really, really problematic. Um, and I think that really a lot of these are very shoddy, issued on hearsay dealing with things that in many cases are quite innocent, people feeding the birds in their garden, feeding a stray cat, that kind of thing. Um, so I think this really shows the danger. If you, if you really lower the barrier um, for issuing legal orders, you end up with a lot of uh, legal injustice as a result. Across the county, Medway had the highest number with 50, followed by Canterbury and Dartford, which both had 38. Council bosses in Kent say they're still waiting for full guidance on how coronavirus marshals would work. The idea's been suggested by the government to make sure people stick to social distancing guidelines and don't meet up in groups of more than six. But local authorities across the county say they're frustrated about the lack of clarity and detail. Now, if you're near Cobbs Wood Industrial Estate in Ashford, you're still being told to keep doors and windows closed more than two days after a huge fire broke out. A man was taken to hospital when a tyre recycling centre and warehouse went up in flames on Tuesday. Firefighters are still at the scene checking hot spots to stop it reigniting and an investigation's underway to try and work out how the blaze started. You can see the very latest pictures from the scene at Kent Online. Anyone wanting to use seaside ramps in Hern Bay and Whitstable could have to fork out £150 in membership fees. Councillors have been considering tougher restrictions for jet skiers following complaints about the numbers turning up since lockdown was eased and fears someone could end up being badly injured. But from next April, fishermen, sailors and powerboat users could also have to sign up to use launch ramps into the sea. A decision is expected next week. Meantime, there are fears Canterbury's rural skyline could be scarred by ugly masts after a relaxation of restrictions and a bid to boost the 5G network. Mobile phone masts will now be allowed to be built without full planning permission after MPs voted to scrap the rules. While there have been issues with reception in the area, some councillors say new masts could spring up and create an eyesore. 
a Maidstone dental technician who hid a million pounds worth of high-purity cocaine in bags for life has been ordered to repay just £6,000. Andrew Mackey was jailed for more than eight years for being involved in the supply of the Class A drug in January. A court heard the 53-year-old, who used to live on Lancet Lane in Lewes, made about £200,000 from his crimes. But he says cash found during a police raid is the total of his assets. A piece of Banksy artwork is going back on display in Folkestone, six years after it first appeared in the town. Art buff shows a lady staring at an empty plinth and was sprayed on the side of a building, but later cut out and taken to America to be sold. Following a legal battle, it's now back and being shown off in the old high street. Alistair Upton is from Creative Folkestone. It appeared in Folkestone overnight, um, in 2014 as part of the Folkestone Triennial. Banksy wanted to be in the Triennial so much, he came in the middle of the night, painted a work, put it on his website and said, part of the Folkestone Triennial, kind of. But actually, um, it, it only stayed a month because then, also in the middle of the night, somebody came along, put up um, some, some scaffolding, covered it in, in canvas, and then chopped it out of the wall, shipped it to America, and tried to sell it. The town was very upset. People were outraged. It was so upsetting. We'd got, a, we'd got the Folkestone Banksy, and then, and then it was gone. And so we started a campaign here in Creative Folkestone uh, to get it back. And we took them to court. We got an injunction. We stopped the sale. And then over a long period of time, we managed to bring it back and it's now taken us a number of years to find exactly the right place to put it because it's such a huge, um, it's, it's over a ton, it's a bit of wall and we had to find a place to put it that was structurally sound. We've got a new building here and there's the Folkestone Banksy. Um, the people of Folkestone are going to be so happy to, to see it back in its rightful place. Look, when it was stolen people were out on the streets. I, absolutely, they were marching down going, we want our Banksy back. So, uh, you know, they are going to be thrilled to see it here. And we are taking Banksy's provocation because, look, he's given us an empty plinth. Some people said to us, oh, he's taking, the, he's taking the mickey out of the triennial. He thinks it's contemporary art. It's got nothing to it. Well, why did he want to be in our show? And secondly, yeah, let's take that provocation here are some plinths. These are plinths we've made to the style of a Banksy and we're asking people in Folkestone to make something, something maybe they made in lockdown, that we know it's a creative town. Everybody in this town is interested in creative. Get something, put it on there, take a photograph and put it up on social media. And plans to restore an historic tea room and theatre in Folkestone and create luxury homes are set to be approved. Council bosses are expected to give the go-ahead to the building of 91 flats on land around the Lees Pavilion next week. Developers are also hoping to return the Grade 2 listed building to its former glory, with the main hall being used for musical or theatre performances. Kent Online Sport. Football, and we got an update on a nasty injury to Gillingham midfielder Stuart O'Keefe, who was stretched off during their game against Coventry City on Tuesday night. It's now been confirmed he'll be out for the rest of the season after suffering a broken leg. The captain's due to have surgery next week. His manager, Steve Evans. And it's a shame for such a nice kid. He, he's a consultant on Monday. I would imagine he'll be operated on by the middle of next week, and then it's about recovery and recovery, uh, which which will take. You know, you're probably talking about getting back April, May. That tells me it's the season. The gaffer's also been speaking about their trip to Wigan Athletic this weekend. I went and watched them last week at Ipswich. 
a very impressive performance that deserves something from the game, there is no doubt about that. But when you can pick up a team sheet and still see some of the players, like little Joe Gardner, who leads the line, proper, proper striker. When you see that, and you, I could go around the team, you know, and you look at the bench last week, I know they've got one or two younger players, but it's a very impressive still 14, 15 players. So I don't think Wigan are in any danger whatsoever. They just, for the sake of that football club and the sake of football, they just need to get sorted out, don't they? But that's not my business. My business is to, to go there and try and get a positive result. You need your first win, your first clean sheet, your first point, your first goal. We've got none of them. So, um, so from our point of view, they're all little uh, benchmarks you want to get. You want to get a win, then you want a home win and away win. You want a goal, you want no conceded, you want clean sheets. Um, we're a young group. We, we understand that we, it might take you know a few weeks for them to, to get to understand each other a little bit more, but we believe in the training ground and we believe in games that's coming. There's still, there's still bits we have to do a lot of hard work on, we can see that on, on Tuesday, um, but we, we played a really classy side on Tuesday, I thought they were excellent. And don't forget, you can keep track of all the action by following Kent Online Jills on Twitter. That's it for today, but you can also subscribe to the IM News app to access all KM Group newspapers. Head to iliftmediasubs.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.